crop the beginning out. Oh, okay, let's so do it again then. Let, let's just pretend uh, we're, we're kicking it off from the top here. Go into the Welcome to Everything EOS. Perfect. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Uh, thank you all for joining us on this Saturday afternoon or evening, whatever time zone you're in. But before we get started, I do need to remind you, smash that like button, smash the subscribe button now that you can hear us. And uh, of course, anything we say should not be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional investment, any other kind of advice. We're just two people that are passionate about this open source software and the projects, and it's safe to assume that we own any tokens that we talk about. And uh, Zach, last week we had oh, some exciting- we gotta, back up. we gotta get back to that disclaimer. What happens when you listen to random people's advice on the internet as investment Oh, you get advice? wrecked. You, you get, get wrecked. wrecked. So don't yep. listen to anything of, of this as investment advice. We're uh no, notable permables here so nothing is investment advice uh but let's move on to the proxy because this is awesome yeah. uh, so we, we we kicked off the everything eos voter proxy after many requests uh last week at and you could vote to it yourself eeproxy.info it's now included in the bottom scroller going across the screen so it's going to be a constant reminder we want to give the community a voice. We have a voice here on the podcast, the longest running EOS podcast, and we want to take what, what we've built up here and use it to, to uh, promote good block producers, well-researched governance decisions. We're going to talk governance on here. We're going to have more guests talking to uh, governance on here. There's been a slew of articles coming out on governance that we'll get into later on the show about different solutions for, for the block producers. Um, but I just wanted to thank everyone for our proxy uh, we, uh, voted last week. Uh, you want to explain how we did the voting, Rob? Yeah. So we basically took an aggregate of, I believe the nine most popular proxies out there and then compared the number of votes that, uh, all of the BPs in those nine most popular proxies had, and essentially picked the top 20 aggregate from those proxies that we think will very accurately reflect the community sentiment. Um, so from there, now we've announced our first pick of our, our last 10 votes and, uh, over time we'll likely swap some of these out. But uh, a big congratulations to HK EOS, Hong Kong EOS, for being our next vote in the selection. And over time, as we go, the next nine votes in our proxy to bring us up to 30 will come out one at a time over the next several days. So keep an eye on Twitter and uh, on our YouTube channel for more. Yeah, and pl please vote to the proxy, guys. Um, our goal here, if, if we're being honest, is we, we saw what happened uh, with, with Bithum. So earlier in July, Bithum announced that they're going to be supporting EOS governance uh, by, by supporting uh, prominent proxies within the ecosystem who are willing to listen and support Korean block producers. So it, it's, it's kind of odd because there's not a whole lot of top Korean block producers anywhere. I think Node1 is one of the only uh, Korean block producers that gets support across a lot of proxies. But very recently, like a week or two ago, we talked about it on the show, uh, Bidham contributed to their first proxy. They committed 5 million votes uh, to the Bro Brock Pierce 1 proxy. So that's kind of what we're gunning for here, guys. We want to we give our EOS, everything EOS community and the EOS community as a whole a voice. And we're, we're going to do it by being loud. Uh, we're going to do it by bringing attention to all of the good block producers. Um, so like Rob said, we, we announced our first 20 picks so to get them out of the way because there's no arguments about who we chose as our top 20. They, they were chosen among at least nine other proxies. They were all on their lists. Uh, but the, the last 10 are the hard picks. Those are the ones where, because there's probably at least 20 BPs that we're currently discussing amongst our, our group committee of five. So we oh, have yeah. five members of the uh, Everything U.S. Proxy Team committee, myself, Rob, Peter K., Mark Woods, and John Peterson. Uh, 
so we've been discussing these and uh, if, if you missed the video yesterday, we did like a, I, I did like this NFL draft style video for HKEO. So we're going to be doing that uh, throughout the next week or two. Every day, every other day, you're going to see a new video coming out with our block producer vote and why we chose them. And, and we're going to try to bring as much attention to those block producers as we can, because that, that's our job. That, that's the role we're taking on in the community as a, a voice within the community, a loud voice within the community. We want to shine spotlights on the good block producers. And we, when we vote for you, we're going to give you uh, we're going to we're going to give you attention. Yeah. And speaking of voting, if you've already proxied all your EOS votes to eeproxy.info, that's our official proxy, you can still help by allowing us at Cypherglass and so many other great BPs to keep the 4 million votes that we have from the EOS DT. This is the Equilibrium Stablecoin proxy. And the way you can do this is just by going to voting.eosdt.com and you can cast your vote for Cypherglass and your other favorite block producers. It's an off-chain vote, so you don't have to sign anything. You simply fill out a Google form, but that's voting.eosdt.com. Would really, really appreciate the vote so that we can keep those 4 million proxy votes. So this is actually their sec second proxy they're setting up, right? Cypherglass already got the support from the first round of voting, or is this the, the same proxy? They're just re-voting for it. Um, I believe this is the same proxy. They're just now re-voting. Okay. And then the next vote, I, I believe, will be on-chain. So this is like the last off-chain vote. Then the next uh, set of voting is is on-chain. So that's pretty right. cool. It's been cool to see what uh, Equilibrium and EOS DT has been able to do since like they came out of nowhere at the EOS World Expo in April. Um, Peter K, I think, pointed out to me the other day that they're on, on HitBTC, they actually have liquidity against like every, oh, every, wow. every pair, like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Uh, so, so that's interesting because like I, I've, I've tried using these EOS stable coins before, man. Like, have you ever tried using carbon and seeing like, which is a great team, but it's just, there, there's not a lot of liquidity on, on like Nudex or like Bancor. And right. it's, it's hard to use these stable coins. They're, they're good for storing your, your money as a stable coin, but then whenever you want to spend them or, or buy them, uh, it's really hard to do on an exchange, but, um, right. I, I don't use hit BTC, so it doesn't really affect me. Yeah, I don't either. But fortunately, uh, equilibrium already with 4 million EOS, I believe that's in their sort of their collateral to run the stable coin. It's, it's a pretty significant amount. And, uh, a couple of weeks ago it was at two and a half billion. So it looks like they're gaining some pretty good traction. So that's a lot of EOS stake then. So if they're voting with 4 million tokens, that means they have to have probably four or five times that state or, or vote or stake because I don't think they're voting or they're not voting and staking with their entire uh, amount collateralized in their contracts because they need liquidity, I think. I'm not right, that would make sense. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of other types of voting, <laughs> uh, DAX have been pretty popular in the voting structure as well. And uh, I hear EOS DAX will be on next week. Is that they, correct? They will. Uh, this is the first you're probably hearing it. I'll, I'll put some tweets out and some stuff on our Telegram channel. Uh, but EOS DAC, Luke Stokes, Michael Yeats, and Saro McKenna, are all going to be on for a DAC panel this upcoming Tuesday at, I, I think, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. But don't quote me on that. Wait for the tweets to come out. Uh, but we're going to have an all-around DAC discussion. Uh, we, we talked about uh, DACs a little bit last week because they uh, EOS DAC put out a release uh, or a teaser for their DAC factory software, yeah. which is going to make it super simple for anyone to start their own DAC. I've personally been researching DACs and trying to plan the economics of a DAC. Heck, we, we might even turn the Everything EOS proxy into a DAC with our audience here. That's something we're also discussing. Um, so if we want to learn about DACs, I'm sure some, of the, some people in the audience want to learn about DACs. So why not bring the DAC experts on to Everything EOS and we'll talk DACs. Um, so there's a lot going on. They have the DAC factory uh, that they uh, 
published something on last week. And then there, there's still the ongoing EOS Alliance DAO, which I haven't heard an update on in a while. Mm -hmm. I, I know EOS New York was help, uh, working with EOS DAC on that to kind of decentralize the EOS Alliance. So I'd love to get an update on that if they're able to talk about it. But really, I just want to talk about what is a DAC, why DACs, and how do I get started with a DAC if, if I want to start my own? Because that's kind of in, at the place where I'm at personally. And I ha have done a lot of learning throughout the process and, and found, found some points of friction. And I just want to openly discuss it with uh, them in front of our audience. And we'll have the live chat here to take questions. So I'm really looking forward to nice. that. So I'm yeah, excited about that, episode. but I know something you're excited about, Rob, because oh, yeah. this, this is one of your favorites. The POS wallet was released Ooh. and you got to test it out. I watched the video. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And anybody can download this wallet and actually uh, give it a go. You can test it out, but make sure you only download from that official uh, POS GitHub link. If you search POS wallet cipher class, you'll find our video and then the link. Uh, but essentially that POS wallet that I gave a UX and UI preview of a few weeks ago, where we just had a video of the wallet, but couldn't actually try it out. You can now download it and actually anonymize your POS tokens for the first time. So in that video on the cipher class channel, I showed myself anonymizing all of my POS, transferring some of my POS to another POS wallet. And then uh, one thing I forgot to put in the video that I didn't realize was possible yet, but is actually possible in the current version of the wallet, is you can send that anonymized POS from that separate POS wallet back into another EOS account. So effectively, you can take POS tokens, anonymize them, send them around, and move them to a totally different EOS account without actually linking the EOS account you sent it from to the new EOS account uh, that received those tokens. So it's pretty amazing. The first time we've ever had any sort of privacy or obfuscation feature on the EOS mainnet, and now it is here thanks to POS and the POS wallet. Uh, so if you guys are interested, I highly recommend you join the Telegram at t.me slash POS1. That's P-E-O-S-O-N-E. Um, a lot of cool stuff happening and they continue to deliver on all their promises. So it's been exciting to see. I'm going to hold on. Let me get up on the screen here. I'm going to pull up uh, that transaction you, you, you shared on. Yeah, um, please. So yeah, this is I'm logged uh, into the EE proxy. I'm, I'm logged into the owner account right now uh, for full transparency. We are at, we have uh, decentralized our key. We have a multi sig on it with uh, all parties of the uh, proxy. Uh, but anyway, the the inputs here. So explain what, what, what's going on here and what's special about what, what's happening on this POS wallet. So what's really special about this, this transaction right here is that this is not linked to my original account, rob.vr, that I sent it from in any way. Um, you can tell in the outputs that it's going to rob.eos, um, and, and that's essentially where I was sending that POS. But then if you notice, the payer says POS token rel. That's actually a POS token relay, which will send POS transfers from your anonymous POS wallets back to EOS accounts or other POS accounts um, without you having to link your EOS account to it in any way. So essentially, it takes a very, very small fee in POS. I think I paid two POS for it. Um, and, and that paid for the RAM required to actually send that transaction. So this was super exciting. Then you see on this end, that 100,000 POS coming through directly from the POS token um, without it being linked to my rob.vr account in I'll, any way. I'll go way. back to the rob.vr account. So what are we gonna, yeah, so that's a different transaction. Yeah, and you'll notice there isn't actually a direct transaction on the rob.vr account to send that 100,000 POS because it went directly through that POS token relay. So these were other things that I was testing out before. This is a separate transaction back to rob.vr where I sent some of my tokens basically back to myself. But you'll notice there is no indication on rob.vr awesome. of me sending that 100,000 POS. It all happened through the relay. 
it, it's pretty exciting. I'm glad to see that the, the team delivered on it. Here's that official POS wallet. This is the very early version, 0 0.0.1, uh, nicknamed Bolivar. So check it out. I, I So I, I just happened, I was sharing my screen, so I went to the Rob.VR account. I like how you, you buy all your own names from US name service, just like a regular yeah. customer. I'm just seeing all these transactions going to yourself, but you're buying names. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm probably buying more names than anybody, to be honest. I'm uh, a big fan, and I definitely see the, the future potential there. So the, the privacy stuff's big, because uh, there, there's certain things you want to remain private, and uh, there's something going on in Hong Kong right now, which yeah. doesn't necessarily affect EOS as a whole, but it might affect Block 1. There, there's like well, there were like riots going on and and they they just ruled martial law there yeah uh, so this is it's been ongoing for really a couple weeks now and essentially all started with this extradition bill um so a few decades ago uh, i believe it was the the uk officially sort of gave control of hong kong back to uh mainland china and the communist party there but they had sort of a rough agreement in place to make sure that hong kong had a separate government and stayed free and wasn't under the communist party rule but recently the hong kong government tried to put in place an extradition bill which would essentially allow the communist party to uh, extradite anybody in Hong Kong over to mainland China for whatever crimes they you know, may have potentially committed or for any other reason. Um, so there were huge protests for weeks against this extradition bill. Eventually, the extradition bill went down, but the protests have been escalating and escalating where you have these different sort of anonymous mobs attacking protesters. It's been really insane, and nobody in the mainstream media, at least in the U.S., has been talking about it. So I wanted to take a moment to just bring it up here and uh, encourage people to search Hong Kong protests on Twitter and on other places to see some of the stuff that's happening. But what's, what's pretty wild now is that uh, the other day, this was a couple days ago, martial law was actually officially declared in Hong Kong. So martial law essentially is military law. They suspend a lot of existing laws and the military kind of comes in and takes over to try to restore order in a specific area. But this is something that, uh, to my knowledge, I don't believe has happened at any point um, over the last few decades when China has sort of owned Hong Kong but been a separate government. Um, and I apologize if I'm saying anything incorrect that uh, uh, you know, I'm just not on the yeah. ball with it, but no, no I don't expect you to, to be a, a world expert. But what, what matters here is that crypto has been essentially banned in mainland China for a long time. Um, we, within the EOS community, we see a lot of um, block producers that have that, that China flag, but their, their nodes might actually be located in Hong Kong. So that, right. that's kind of the tie in here is like there. There's been a lot more freedom in Hong Kong than in mainland China as far as like rules and restrictions on, on crypto. So as far as we know, I, have, I haven't seen anything on like the, the block or any of the major crypto news media about any issues as far as like Bitcoin mining or with, with us like ES block producers or uh, the block one headquarters. But like you said, it just brought attention. But the reason I thought it tied in was because of the POS token like uh, sometimes we take for granted freedom and uh, being here in the U.S. So it's like Absolutely. in other places, it's like not as free. Um, but well, uh, Hong and, Kong especially is sort of this bastion of freedom around the world, probably one of the, the most free markets in the world today. So I, I'm really hoping that it continues to stay that way and that uh, the Communist Party in China doesn't end up taking it over. So well, uh, just all of the uh, employees at the Hong Kong office at Block One know that Dan's working on PS. I mean, Mel's working on PS. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I don't. I, I. I. don't think it, it, it's it's Dan at this point. I. I don't. I, I think, yeah, I don't think he so might. Either. He might like know the team. Like I don't know. I, I. I. am sold that it is not Dan, but it is 
very talented people. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're probably right. There is that rumor that Mel in the POS chat is Dan, and we haven't heard from Dan in Telegram in a while. Also, haven't heard from Mel in a while. We've been hearing from Emma instead. Um, but it, either way, you know, I don't, I don't really care who is behind um, the POS project now that they're delivering code. I think it's great that they're, you know, staying anonymous, sort of in the true spirit of a, a true privacy coin. Dan, uh, yeah, I haven't heard from Dan in a while, but he, yeah. he, he, he did just. Uh, retweet some stuff we talked about last week recently yeah this was crazy i saw him uh, he retweeted i guess it was that uh, liquid link video talking about bridging ethereum and eos was that the one yeah so like i don't know 20 minutes before uh we we went on last week uh liquid apps we, we released uh the the tweet of this this video that essentially shows uh, a proof of concept transaction between ethereum and eos and like I knew it was going to be coming out, but I didn't like plan to talk about it because it, like, I didn't think it was going to be out bef before uh, we went on the air. So we, we shared that on the air. And since then, it, it's gone crazy. There's like hundreds of likes and retweets on it. And Dan, Dan must have liked it so much, he retweeted it twice. I, 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 I don't know um, That's why exciting. I mean, I, yeah, think it, I, I think he just retweeted ES Israel, and then he probably dug in a little bit deeper and then he was like oh i should retweet the source of this because it's pretty damn good oh definitely and i mean it, it really falls in line with what he's been saying for a while that you know eos can scale ethereum ethereum could exist in one smart contract on eos but because this news came out obviously there was a lot of code being shown in the video and people know okay you know ethereum and eos are linked but if i could zach i wanted to ask you a couple questions about practical use cases for liquid link mm -hmm. so if I had an application, let's say I was building on Ethereum and it required a ton of computation, like it, it was incredibly resource heavy, um, which would be really, really expensive on Ethereum. With Liquid Link, could I sort of offload those CPU intensive tasks to the DAP network via EOS and then make it cheaper and faster for me to run my DAP? Yeah, that, that's, that's probably going okay. to be like one of the biggest use cases. Uh, because there, So there's been bridges before that can transfer tokens across chains. Right. So, so that that's pretty cool to do uh liquid link can do that too but the offloading oh, okay. of computation is going to be one of the biggest things like imagine uh like i don't you pay gas fees i i know i don't have many reference points because i'm not like an ethereum person and and when i was i i wasn't developing on it right. um but so there's different oracles uh uh services on, on ethereum one of them's uh one that also has one on eos called provable it used to be called oracleize hmm. and they charge 50 cents per uh transaction for computational transaction on ethereum and that would go to like zero cents if they offloaded something like that to eos so i don't know what the base cost hmm. is if you're not using a service like oracleize um but but that's an example is computation being completely offloaded so that the bare minimum is being done on the ethereum chain that way minimal gas costs and it saves fees and it essentially that, that that's why it is, is essentially scaling ethereum because it it off like uh, okay it, it makes it cheaper faster and it takes the load off of the network so more other stuff could be done uh so that and that's, if i was building a yeah go ahead no, uh, no, I was going to say the, the next example, if I was building a DAP and let's say, you know, I'm a business owner, I want to target as many people in my business, my DAP as possible. Could I essentially use the DAP network and this liquid link to, uh, say, target both the Ethereum and EOS communities and let people sign up through and through either chain and essentially have this sort of imagine, cross chain imagine DAP. creating like one DAP and like, let, let's use like, 
normal examples like of stuff we use. Imagine building an application and it automatically would like it, it could not automatically, but it, it could easily uh, work and port over to like Apple, Windows, Android, iPhone, right. like all of the different operating systems. It could just kind of be omnipotent on kind of all of them. It could exist on all of them. Uh, be, because we, we released the uh, Ethereum video last week that showed the, the chains being connected. Uh, weeks ago, I, I don't remember exactly when, but we released a bunch of new features that included IBC and uh, cross-block. So there's inter-blockchain communication between EOS IO chains, and there's like cross-blockchain, like, which is like Ethereum to EOS or EOS to oh, Ethereum. Okay. And we had read-only IBC released like months ago. So that, that's been in existence. With this video we, we, we showed last week, the, the difference is that it's read and write. And you could do some really interesting things once you could do that. But in, in the example we gave a couple months ago, we already connected uh, read-only IBC to Ripple, Stellar, Tron, Cardano, Bitcoin Cash, uh, and then all, all of the different side chain or EOSIO sister chains could be in that group also. I think Taylor oh, wow. and Bose, I think, were, were connected with read-only. See, that's pretty exciting because when I first heard about the DAP network, and this was like several months ago, a couple hundred days ago now, I think they're into their ICO. I thought, okay, this is only to scale EOS. It does some really cool things with VRAM and in the future vCPU and all this stuff. But I thought it was just limited to EOS. And now it, it really sort of is this grand vision coming to life where the DAP network is not only to scale EOS, it can also scale so many other chains like Ethereum. You mentioned just Ripple, Stellar, Tron, Cardano. I mean, it seems like it could kind of be this overarching scalability network for all of these different blockchains. I mean, it, it's kind of like a layer two that could sit on top of all, all of the different chains. So right. it, it's using EOS as its base layer because it's the only scalable uh, blockchain right now that could handle all, all of the transaction because everything that happens on, on the DAP network it is like uh, sent, sent, still sent to the main net. So for example, VRAM, uh, okay. Everything done in VRAM, it, it still has a Merkle proof down to, to the EOS mainnet. So um, like if you stored something in VRAM uh, and, and the DSP hosting that VRAM solution went down, another you could still recover all of that data from the mainnet because it all still sits like on the blockchain. Just I could get into it in another episode. Peter uh, K okay, can yeah, explain exciting. it better than me. But man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, one use case that I, I don't think you thought of is like uh, trustless uh like custodial wallets so hmm. like so so you could have it, it's something that's already uh kind of kind of in a, existence i at least i i've seen it written about but um i'm gonna just read this example pete gave me um uh where is it i, I wasn't even looking at my notes this whole time we we're all right so i, I pete, peter k gave this example of Imagine uh, token sending them back and forth. Alice on Ethereum sends an Ethereum token to an Ethereum version of the token contract specifying Bob's EOS account name in the transaction. The ETH contract will lock up the tokens one-to-one -to, -one to be unlocked in case it is sent back to the ETH side. Ether hmm. side. Then on the EOS side, the EOS contract mints the new token and executes a transfer action to user B's account specified by the transaction the Ethereum chain can still prove that this happened by reading the EOS blockchain, and both chains can provide proof of the transaction to be included in both chains. So basically, oh, wow. there, there's no third parties involved in here. It's just all, uh, like, it's custodial in a way, be because you don't really hold the, 
token necessarily, but it's non-custodial because it's all programmatic and trustless. So okay, that's pretty awesome. I, I think we're going to see some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, obviously it's still all proof of concept, but there, there's been a lot of uh, people talking about it and chomping at the bit to start digging in. So check out the Liquid Apps GitHub uh, yeah. if you want to learn more. But uh, expect to hear more. Uh, I'm excited. Moonlighting, I think, is launching soon. That's going to be a, yeah. one of the bigger proof of concepts for DAP Network is the EOS VC funded project. Uh, Ramon from Investing with a Difference, his company Blockstart's been working with them. Uh, I think in one of the channels he said, watch out for it in two weeks max. And he's posted that a few weeks ago. So I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, that's great. I think after that happens, if people can see a, a real DAP with, I think, what, 700,000 users that they have, yeah, when yeah. they can see that on the DAP network operating and, and using all of these technology, I think we'll see a lot of other DAPs start to implement it as well. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, I have to pull up. Uh, man, I give Moonlighting so much attention here because I love this headline <laughs> on this. I've pulled up this Coindesk article so many times. A freelance job market is moving at 700,000 users to EOS. They're all going to have virtual EOS account or liquid accounts. Uh, this is just something I'm really excited about because I think it's going to um, create a lot of buzz for EOS. I, I think this is huge for EOS to be bringing on such an enterprise level project. So I'm really lo looking forward to that. Uh, one thing I skipped in the notes because we were just talking about liquid apps for a minute. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to remind everyone. So Boyd season two began a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you guys don't know what Boyd is, Boyd, it's like a distributed computational resource. Uh, it's like a social supercomputer right now. Uh, people, the, you download the app and you start uh, directing your CPU hash power to Boyd. And what it does is it helps, uh, it donates the computation to map cancer markers. So it's really oh, like wow. helping like these supercomputers like solve super difficult math puzzles to, to map cancer markers. So a bunch of teams are taking part in season two, which is basically uh, teams of, I don't, they could be any number of players, but like Eosphere has a team, Karma has a team. You basically sign up for a team and each team has its own leaderboard. And then collectively, everyone who contributed to that team competes against other teams. And we've been getting our ass kicked. Uh, we're in 13th <laughs> out of 18th place right now. And uh, we could take some of the blame for that because everyone else gave away prizes. Apparently, that's so oh, wow. everyone else was like uh, they have a token. So like if I, uh, and this is nothing against anyone, I, I would take the tokens. I'd give them away if I had them. But if I'm like Effect AI and I love Effect AI and I'm giving out EFX tokens, it's like easy for me. It's like giving away a gift card to your own store. Here at Everything right. EOS, we don't have a token, but we do have our audience's attention. So to, to start getting people to contribute to our Boyd Season 2 team, which you can go to boyd.com to find, our grand prize, whoever uh, contributes the most CPU power to our team uh, from now until September 21st when the season ends, is going to either get to be a guest themselves on everything EOS, or they could pick any block producer, project, person that they want. As long as that person's agreeable to come on, you can come on the show. So awesome. that's something that's we've never big, offered uh, before. It's, yeah, yeah, that's a big prize. So if you're a project out there and you've had emails ignored or, or we told you we just don't have time to have you on the show, like that, that's a, a big thing. We, 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 we try to do a lot of content, but we don't have all the time in the world. Uh, but we will make time for the winner of the Everything EOS team on, on the Boyd leaderboard for our team uh, for awesome. cancer research. So any projects out there, uh, get with Boyd and sign up. That's great. And as another project reminder, if any of you have Karma tokens, there is an upcoming claim deadline by August 4th. So this is actually, if you're listening to this now, the, the claim deadline is tomorrow. 
Um, if you already have the Karma, you may have already claimed it. It was airdropped last July 2018 using the Genesis snapshot. But all you have to do to claim it is send any amount of Karma to any other EOS account, and you will automatically claim it. It essentially pays for the RAM. But if you don't claim it before August 4th, and you haven't already sent Karma to any other account to do so, all unclaimed Karma will be burned. But uh, I think Karma is sort of doing a lot lately. They added new in-app rewards. They have a new website. It looks like it's uh, going pretty well. Yeah, the, the rewards are cool because it, it was uh, helped built in part by my man, Dimitri from bountyblock.io. Nice. He's got this really cool like reward system that has these like listeners that listen for specific types of transactions on the blockchain. Hmm. And then it, it, like, it, it has like a badge and reward system. So for example, uh, EOS name service could offer a reward or a badge for any account that makes like 10 purchases or something. Or, or, oh, interesting. Yeah, so th that, that's pretty cool. So I think that's one of their first major integrations. I, I think they'll have, have more in the future. It sounds like they're doing cool stuff, but like you said, Karma also, but I, I like it because it kind of combines uh, the, the two with the reward system. I think they also, didn't they do a new website recently too? Something, Karma? Uh, yeah, brand new website, which actually looks really, really good. I got to give it to the, the Karma team and the designers over there. The, the new website's amazing. So hats off to them. Chris from Effect AI in this chat. So he's, he's watching. He heard me mention them earlier. Uh, yeah, Dimitri is the <laughs> Welcome, man. Chris. What's up, Chris? Uh, this, this one just came out this morning, so I don't really have... We talked yeah. about it in the Everything EOS uh, Telegram channel, but uh, I'm going to pull it up here on the, the screen. So uh, the local newspaper in, in Blacksburg, Virginia, put out an article about the, uh, Blacksburg, or blah, the Blacksburg, Virginia tech program. Why don't you... Um, remind everyone watching who is, hasn't been following EOS as long as us uh, about the, the $3 million grant that they gave away, I think, last year. Yeah, so this was a while ago. I, I agree. I think this was back in 2018 where Block One basically came out and said, hey, we're going to give $3 million to Virginia Tech, which is very, very close to uh, the Block One campus in Blacksburg, Virginia, one of the best engineering schools in the country. And uh, essentially, they're kickstarting a new blockchain curriculum at Virginia Tech. But with this news today, we know that it's not just one-sided. It's not just Block One sending them a bunch of money. It looks like Virginia Tech actually requested about a quarter million dollars in state money through a program, a state-run program called Go Virginia, to help capitalize on the opportunity. And as part of that, they're also putting up their own quarter million dollars. So this is another half a million dollars, part from Virginia Tech, part from the state of Virginia, to actually help fund this blockchain program at Virginia Tech. So it's uh, pretty amazing to see all of this happening. You know, Block One coming in and sort of leading the charge, and then Virginia Tech and now the state of Virginia hopping on board and helping to fund that program as well. So we should see a lot of amazing blockchain engineers coming out of Virginia Tech over the next few years. The, the big news in this article, so one, Blocksburg. This is a term I think is going to stick, but it, yeah. it's kind of like how Blacksburg's rebranding themselves as Blocksburg. And also, shout out to JW and the Blockchain Boys. These are the uh, yeah. people we had on our, our show. We did a live stream whenever. Uh, so Virginia Tech, they also did a, a semester-long uh, EOSIO hackathon, essentially. Uh, they had like, I forget how many teams compete, like 15 teams compete in a semester-long hackathon challenge. These guys made a, a project that uh, used like proof of location for like uh, class attendance or something crazy. Um, so yeah, I think you mentioned it while I was clicking around here that it's a half million dollars that the school just uh, got approved for. That's $250,000 from the school and then $250,000 from the state to fund this. And that's in addition to the $3 million uh, that, that Block One uh, contributed. But I always get excited 
when I see other people excited. And I think that's kind of why uh, our, our shows have always uh, ha had a pretty good audience because we just get super jazzed up about this. But uh, th this quote on the screen uh, was from Go Virginia Council who approved uh, this funding. They said, quote, Block One is such a unique resource that we aren't used to having, Dooley said. After Friday's meeting, meeting, they noted that it's not without risk since there's so much about the technology that's yet to be seen, but I'm willing to hedge a, a bet on this technology. We don't want to be in a situation where we said, boy, did we ever miss that opportunity. The opportunity around blockchain for us will blow your mind, one of the council members stated. Wow. Uh, so, so I think I missed a good quote that I wanted to read, but they're pumped about it. And they actually announced, this is the first I've ever seen this, is the initiative would also support things like the Blocksburg Summit, an industry gathering planned for this November. Wow. So that's it, the Blocksburg. Blocksburg Summit. So uh, we're, we're gonna, we were some of the first people to say we're going to be at B1 June, even though we didn't have an invite yet at the time. <laughs> we're we're going to say it right here, everybody. We are going to be uh, two of the first people to commit. I will make the five-hour drive to this Blocksburg Summit in November. Damn. You will see me there. Uh, it should be open to the community. Uh, there is precedence to this. In 2018, the city of Blacksburg hosted a Blacksburg uh, blockchain symposium which, which had a bunch of regulators and blockchain leaders from all over the world come and, and, and speak at. It wasn't like your typical crypto conference. It's more of like an academia conference. Um, so Bla Blacksburg is becoming a blockchain hub, and it, it's, it's because of Block One's presence. They, they yeah. want to take advantage of, of this presence that never existed before. So I, I think that's super cool. We haven't been hearing a lot from Block One lately, uh, but there's still a lot to be excited about. Yeah, and we did just get two new pieces of info from Block One as well. Uh, this is part three of four of their strategic vision, um, which talks basically about their roadmap without any dates, the stuff that they want to do. This includes a consistent front end, enabling web auth end support that we heard about at B1 June, enhanced resource management, making CPU, net, RAM easier to use, and a decentralized file system, which is something that uh, we've been waiting for for a while. So it's pretty exciting to see them talk about it. Let me just uh, scroll through that real quick on the screen. I didn't have it up whenever uh, you were talking about. It. So this is just a series of blog articles, strategic vision. So uh, at B1 June, uh, around that same time, they they published something called just strategic vision. I think it's uh, up here on the EOSIO site. It's just a broad roadmap of, of what they're trying to accomplish here. Uh, but over the last couple of weeks, they've been putting out a blog series uh, uh, going into more detail about everything. And right now we're at... Uh, Article three out of four. Yeah. So four out of four might come out like in the next week or two. Uh, but I'm predicting that after the series comes out, we haven't heard anything about EOSIO 2.0. And now right. that we're about, so 1.8 was required for the consensus changes required to make future upgrades. So I'm hoping that uh, everyone's just been talking about Everyone has been talking about after 1.8, we could potentially get voice because it's a requirement for it. You have to be able to delegate your resources. The DAP has to be able to delegate its resources to its users so it could abstract that for, for voice to launch. But what I think we're also going to see, I don't know when voice is going to launch. I don't think it will probably be right after the EOS IO 1.8 mainnet upgrade, uh, which is what, what's the date for that? September, you know the date? September offhand? 23rd, I believe. Which the Everything EOS Proxy voted yes for. I don't. I didn't make a video for it or anything yet, but we did vote yes for the EOSIO upgrade. Uh, but my prediction 
is that shortly after the mainnet upgrades to 1.8, within the next like week, two weeks, three weeks, we'll probably see a, a blog update or a code release for EOSIO 2.0 because that's what's Pretty after 1.8. There is no yeah. 1.9. They skipped 1.9. It's 2.0. Right. That's pretty and, exciting. I mean, I hope we get 2.0 then and then take advantage of the new, uh, you know, speed improvements and all that stuff. Well, if you think about their release schedule, there's precedence to this uh, because from EOSIO 1.0, which launched May or June, I don't know when it was released compared to when the mainnet launched, June 2018, we went from 1.0 all the way to 1.7 that's currently implemented. So every couple months, they upgrade another notch. So we're already at 1.8. We're about to upgrade to 1.8. 2.0 is next. There, there's precedence. Every couple months, uh, there would be a, actually every, almost every month or two, there would be a block one code release for an EOSI right. update. So the next one's 2.0 people. Uh, they put out a developer preview already, but it didn't include everything. So I'm hoping that's going to be kind of the grand finale after this strategic vision series is since we're almost going to be at 1.8, 1.8 is required before we can get to 2.0. Uh, that, that's kind of my prediction here. That's exciting. And then we also saw a, uh, another video from Block One come out. This is sort of targeted towards the mainstream, trying to onboard more great developers to come to Block One. Bart Wyatt, who is the director of blockchain engineering at Block One, had a, a kind of a cool, I think, one or two minute video um, just mentioning what it's like to work at Block One. So you can go to twitter.com slash block underscore one underscore and uh, check that post out there. But I did want to take a moment to hop into all of these new governance articles that are happening. So we got three new governance proposals, uh, one from Blockchain Kid, who used to run the Mirio proxy, one from Tokenika, and one from Liquid EOS. And it is worth noting that we have not yet seen the proposal from EOS New York that they've been working so hard on for so long. So I'm still excited to see that, but I did want to take a moment to just sort of dive into each of these and give a summary. And Zach, will you uh, include a link to these in the description below? Um, yeah, once I'll the live stream's e over. I'll even, uh, let this give a, a, a I'll, I'll pull them all up on screen so that they can get some love too. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can kind of run through the, the sort of, we have like a one sentence explanation for these. It's It obviously goes a little bit deeper than this, but the first is delegated proof of reinvestment from Blockchain Kid and essentially balances stake weighted rewards and voting power and tries to separate profit from voting power on the chain, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, the so second, that, yeah, what, go ahead. What do, what do you think of that? So imagine if you could either have power or rewards. Uh, so it's kind of like if, if I wanted to give 100% of my vote power to vote for Cypherglass, I could do that, but I would get no rewards. Or I could take 50% of the re like rewards and then give 50% of my vote power to Cypherglass. I think that's kind of the gist of this. It gets into a right. little bit more detail, but it, it gives you that option between power and rewards. So I, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. It was the first I, I think I'd ever seen that idea. Definitely. Um, we're going to dive deeper into these in our Telegram channel. It's already going on in the proxy, the EOS proxies channel and in the EOS governance channel. Uh, but that was the next one, Tokenica? They just put yeah, that one Tokenica out. put out a democratic proxy, which essentially one person, one vote um, would control the hypothetical B1 voter proxy. So this is actually a proposal specifically for block one to vote their now 96 million or so EOS tokens. So essentially the way it would work is that uh, linked to unique voice IDs, which is something that we've talked about here before, all of the people that end up using voice and have that unique verifiable account on chain could vote for different block producers that 
Block One would then sort of vote for on their behalf. So it would essentially make a situation, make a scenario where Block One doesn't have to actually actively participate in governance at all and can sort of DACify or DAOify their votes and give it to the voice users that are uniquely verified for them to make the voting decisions on their behalf. So that is something that I think would be amazing and uh, also drive a lot of users to voice. So, so this one relies on a big uncertainty, and that is that Block One is willing to like let this happen. Right. Uh, but, but it seems like there's people within Block One that want to use these votes. I think it's it's all comes down to regulation and just being way too like I don't I, I say it's too safe because I'm on the outside looking in. Right. But they're they're protecting a lot of uh, capital here, and they they have a grandier vision. Uh, but if Block One we're willing to to go along with this. I don't I don't think the the Tokenica proposal mentioned voice outright, but I, I thought about that whenever voice came out is what if they let all of the, the votes from the tokens be controlled just like this? Like one person, one vote, doesn't matter how right. many tokens you have. Uh that way it's like democratic. And that is how like this token power uh is voted. And that, that's very amazing. similar to what they're recommending. Uh yeah. both a bigger proxy, which is great too. I mean, what we're seeing now, along with Bithum and now hopefully Block One, you know, once voice launches, hopefully they go through and, and do something like this. The more people that can vote, the, the, the better off we're going to be in terms of BP rankings and decentralization of the chain. So I think this would be great, get a lot more EOS voted in the system. But the, the third is coming from Liquid EOS, and there's a lot of new concepts in here, but the main sort of overarching one is free market BP pay, where block producers can basically say, hey, I want to be paid, you know, 2% inflation. And another can say, I want to be paid half a percent inflation. And you can let the users, let the token holders decide who to vote for based on that. Um, there are also things like a voting cap and negative votes, which I thought were pretty interesting. So they would actually split it where you have 15 for votes. Like I can go vote for 15 block producers, but I can also vote against 15 block producers. So if I had 100 EOS, I could vote that 100 EOS to 15, and I could also remove 100 EOS from 15 others. So pretty interesting and uh, experimenting with some new concepts there. I, I think I've seen other systems. So Reddit is a good example. They have negative votes right. on Reddit. Uh, That's a but, good point. But it could be abused. Like uh, Matt, go, go into the crypto markets uh, Reddit and make any post about EOS and see what happens. It's going to get right. buried <laughs> to the bottom because of the negative votes. That's so, true. So I, I, I like the idea because I like that everyone's thinking differently about this. Everyone has... Uh, a, a unique approach to this situation. And like you said, one of the biggest leaders on governance in the whole EOSIO ecosystem is EOS New York, and they have yet to publish a, a very much anticipated uh, re response to, to governance and, yeah. and the BP rankings and, all, and voter incentives and all of that uh, tied up into one. I'm looking forward to, to reading that. Same. And I, I've enjoyed uh, the abundance we've seen lately of all of these new ideas and proposals for how we could fix things. So everyone within the ecosystem knows things aren't running perfectly. Nobody should expect uh, a, a, such a new technology and a thing that's never been done before to happen quickly or easily. Right. Uh, so we're gonna continue to iterate over this. And, and I think the thing I wanna point out is that there's a lot of great thinkers putting their minds together to solve these problems. Uh, and we just gave three examples today between Liquidios, Tokenica, and Blockchain Kid, and then up and coming EOS New York. There's a bunch of others too. EOS Nations put stuff out before. Um, and I want to call out uh, EOS Blocksmith for uh, sponsoring the article that Blockchain Kid wrote. Uh, so it said he was incentivized to write it. This is the second article they've done for that. So uh, nice. pr problems are being worked on. There's people like Rob and Cypherglass hosting the East and West AMAs on the Cypherglass channel. Uh, who do you have on there? Denny from Huobi and. 
Yeah, and uh, Sheldon from EOS Shenzhen we had on the Hello EOS team before that. And we have some other uh, exciting AMAs in that East Meets West series uh, planted over the next couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that channel for more as well. So, so like this, the, the things that are being done to tackle this, they're endless. Like people yeah. keep coming up with new things. We saw three new articles come out this week. And I, I know you're, you're planning more stuff. So we're, we're solving these problems, people. It, it, like things aren't going to come quick or easy, but we're going to get through all of this. If, if you've been around EOS long enough, every couple of months, there's something new that we're battling. There, there was the, the, what was that company? The white block FUD from like con that consensus research a while ago. That wasn't like a, like we, had to explain, we had to explain why we were a blockchain. Uh, there was oh, the, right, right, well, right. ECAF is probably the biggest one. That ECAF issue, yeah. like nobody wanted to talk about it, like bubbled underneath the surface for months. No block producers wanted to talk bad about them. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't know what happened, but there's just like an explosion where everyone just started like being loud about it. And then yeah. ECAF's gone. The, con well, the constitution got replaced. Oh, like, absolutely. We, RAM price has essentially been solved with that increasing RAM gradually every block over time. We had CPU congestion issues that were solved. Pretty much every issue we've come across as a community has been solved in a relatively short period of time. Again, the mainnet now has been around, I think, for 13, 14 months. Um, so it's pretty amazing what we've accomplished in that time. And I'm confident that over the next 13 or 14 months, we can solve some of these pretty massive issues like governance being uh, one of the main ones. Uh, someone just asked in the channel, I'm not going to read their name. Uh, what do we think of uh, Lumios? Rob, Rob, Rob was oh, on the leaderboard of Lumios for a long time. I was, and now there's just so many questions that there are people out there just answering, must be answering them all day. Um, I'm way down the leaderboard now in like the top 300 or something, but I think Lumios is great. Um, I think they've got a lot of interesting data and obviously they pay you to take polls. So if you're looking to earn some extra EOS tokens, that's a, a great place to do it. You can download it on the App Store, Lumios, L-U-M-E-O-S. So I guess let's, uh, we have two more dApps we want to talk about. Both yeah. EOS VC funded dApps. And the yep. first one is one we've talked about many, many times over uh, the year and a half of this show. And that is Everipedia. You want to kind of kick that one off? Yeah, so Everipedia just announced that a pretty cool new feature for IQ holders called Editor Guilds. And essentially what this is, is that there's tons of people out there that hold IQ tokens that may not be interested in, you know, um, editing articles or creating articles themselves. And instead, they want to sort of proxy their IQ to someone else who's doing that. So they announced these Editor Guilds where, for example, if, if I'm a big movie buff and all day I edit and, and create new Everipedia articles about movies, I can go out to the community and say, hey, stake your IQ tokens to me and I will be able to then edit more and more articles on your behalf. And what's cool about it is that uh, Everpedia actually rewards users in IQ tokens for creating new articles and editing existing articles. So as someone who stakes to one of these editor guilds, you'll also get a percentage of the profit from the editor guild, where the editor is going to take 50% and all the people that staked IQ will take that other 50% of reward. So if you're out there, you have IQ just sitting in your wallet. Once this editor guild feature launches, you'll be able to earn a little bit of passive IQ income by staking to different editor guilds. So this, I think, is awesome um, and also enables people to, to use that IQ to vote on specific issues like this Editor Guild upgrade that will actually be voted in by the community. And then the last thing that happened this week in DAP News, which wasn't really yeah. the DAP itself that did it, but it was Forbes, Forbes Magazine, giving some love to our buddies at Mythical Games, uh, the team behind Blancos. Yeah. So uh, what happened here? The, the Forbes Magazine posted an article of the top 10 most disruptive tech companies to watch in 2019. And I, I think at number seven, I don't know if they're in any particular order, but number seven was Mythical Games. You want to uh, re read the quote? 
Yeah, this is a pretty amazing quote. It says, founded in 2018 when it acquired Arcuity, Mythical Games is a studio which is aiming to integrate distributed ledger systems into games to improve the overall gaming experience it offers. At present, the company has a funding amount of 17 million and their advisory panel contains big names such as Adam Bain, the former president of Twitter, which I didn't know about, Adam Strzok, the managing general partner of Strzok Capital. Um, and the focus is on player-owned economies through blockchain gaming, which is described by John Linden, the founder of Mythical Games, as a technology which can change the future of games forever. Player-driven game worlds are the new trend, and the system can be used to establish a strong network of players from all around the world. So, so cool to see Mythical Games and Blancos, which is coming out this year, mentioned in this Forbes article, Top 10 Disruptive Tech Companies to Watch. And, uh, you know, in celebration of this, I think we should give away another Blanco. I got a Peanut mm. FC Blanco right here, exclusive. All right. Uh, how are we, we going to do it here? Gonna do... Uh, you you want to text me a number? I will text message you a number and all right, so it's gonna be I'm trying to think of a number I haven't picked. Man, I'm having trouble. <laughs> Chris already has a number in the chat. Uh, all right, I got a I got a number over here. So put a number in the chat, one to a hundred, to win this Peanut FC Blanco. Uh, as a note, to cut down on shipping costs, I'm just gonna send you the actual Blanco when the game launches later this year instead of sending you the card. Uh, let's see those numbers in the chat. Who's going to get it first? I haven't seen anybody yet. Some people getting close. There it is. Trevor Bugs. Congratulations. Number 86. Congrats, Trevor, on that. Uh, DM me on Telegram at Finchify, F-I-N-C-H-I-F-Y. Trevor Bugs with the 86. Congratulations. You win this Peanut FC Blanco. Very exclusive. One of uh, 3,000 in existence. All right, and I just posted up on the screen the evidence that I texted you the number 86 at that exact moment there it in is. time. Uh, I can't even see what the chat was saying anymore because it got cleared with the number. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to it. Uh, so everyone's going to see uh, me on Tuesday uh, morning, I think at 10.30 a.m. I'll double check, uh, tweet it out. But I'll, I'll be here with the EOS DAC guys and, and girl on, on a panel. It's, it should be very interesting. I'm sure you'll see Rob many of times on the Cypherglass channel doing videos all over the community doing his thing. Uh, but this is it for this weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, until next week on Tuesday, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this, and this is, is everything of Eos. Go Eos! Leave a Go Eos in the chat. Smash that like button. We'll see you next time.